Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you here this morning. I appreciate so much the opportunity. Uh, when your pastor, uh, James, gave me a call and said he was going to be taking some time off, asked if I would come and and spend a little bit of time with you this morning in worship. I was uh, excited to do so. And so I bring you greetings uh, from your brothers and sisters in faith over at Messiah Lutheran Church, where I am at, over on the furthest east side of town. Um, But uh, it is good for us to be together here on this beautiful day. Um, I so appreciate it. I just want to say thank you to you for not only encouraging, but allowing your pastor uh, to get away, uh, him and his family to take some much-needed and I'm sure well-deserved time off. And um, we all know this last year has been exceptionally difficult for a lot of reasons, and I think there's some unique reasons why that's true also for pastors and, uh, and church workers. And so, again, thank you for giving him that time. Well, today we are in this, uh, this study of Pentecost, um, a great story and uh, a great biblical text. And, you know, as I talked to Pastor James, I said, you know, um, you know, we each have our little different way of doing things at different churches. And, uh, you know, how long do I get to preach? Uh, what is the, what's the length? And he said like an hour, right? All right, I'm getting nods from the crew. They're, they'll turn off the microphone if it gets beyond that. No, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to preach for an hour, um, but I do want to get you into a text that I think is absolutely beautiful, and really I want to focus in on two things. One of them has to do with us as a church, uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's Holy Savior or it is uh, Messiah or the church uh, on earth, God's church. The other one that I want to focus in on, the Pentecost story, is something that is deeply personal, something that I pray will touch your hearts and your lives here today. But let me give you a few details, just kind of getting in. If you have, uh, I know it's kind of windy, so probably not bringing your Bibles as much. If you have a digital one, you're welcome to look at it. Otherwise, I'll kind of carry along a little bit. But I want to just share some pertinent details about the story as well. And so let's dig in. And uh, I think Brock, uh, Brock's not here today, is he, that read uh, just a moment on, on the he nailed all those names. Holy smokes, going through all those things. That's one of those when you get a lay reader, they're like, really? You want me to read all of those names? He did an awesome job. Tell him thank you for me. Um, right now, if you look at the very first part of this text, just let's set a little context. Pentecost was already a festival that was being uh, observed by the people of God, the Jewish nation. And what Pentecost means, Pentecost means 50th. And so what they would do is they would count 50 days from Sabbath, and they would all gather in Jerusalem. People from all over the known world would come in, and it was a celebration of the wheat harvest. And it's really kind of a neat concept, a neat idea to think that God already had in mind a different kind of harvest, a harvest of people. And so there was a bunch of different people from all over gathered at that time. Now, Christians uh, beyond that time uh, continued to, to, uh, to celebrate Pentecost and still counting 50 days, but instead of from Passover, they would count it from Easter. And so today is the day that the church, the Christian church, celebrates Pentecost. So here's what happens. They're gathered together in this upper room, and then all of a sudden there is this sound, this supernatural sound, this mighty rushing wind. And we, we're, we're told in the text that it's like these little flames kind of come down on top of the heads of the apostles and those gathered in that room. There's about 120 people in the room. 
And what's interesting is it says in verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men of every nation. There's that gathering. And in verse 6, it says this, And at the sound, the multitude came together. Would you just think about it? This is the part that is intended for the church. At the sound, the multitude came together. How many people came together? We're told in verse 41 at the end of this, uh, of this chapter that about 3,000 people came to believe, were baptized and believed. But I think it's safe to say that not everybody lined up to get wet. Not everybody was baptized. Not everyone accepted the message of Jesus Christ. So if we ask how many people were actually in attendance on that first Pentecost, it was probably a lot more than 3,000. But we're told at least 3,000 in that crowd came to be believers. So this got me to thinking for a minute. It might be a little bit of an aside to the text, but, but go there with me for a moment. As you think about this, this account of Pentecost, this great sound, are there any amazing or wondrous sounds that are going on in our world today that are attracting people to God's church? Now, I'm not talking about supernatural events like the one recorded on Pentecost. But I'm thinking, again, as I, I, I look, it got me to thinking that in a world that is filled with endless and, and often confusing noises going on in the world around us, are we as the people of God, are we living out loud? Are we raising our voices above the discord that we hear in the world around us? Are we offering a sound are we offering a clear sound of prayer, of praise, of the testimony of God's amazing acts of grace? Are we raising our voices above the discord going on in the world and attracting people to Jesus? There's enough people out there with bullhorns, so to speak, that are leading people away from Jesus. I think it's high time that the church, you, me, us, that we retake that bullhorn, take the center stage, and give a, a, a clear and loud voice, a voice of hope, of faith, of forgiveness, and of life in Jesus Christ. I think that is a calling. And maybe that's something that we can kind of peel out of the story of Pentecost. Again, this context here isn't about just a philosophical talking about voices in the world. It's an actual supernatural event. But here God was giving a wake-up call to all of Jerusalem, and, and, it, and the masses, they came, and the disciples were going to preach, Peter specifically. So think about that a little bit. Think about what is God's calling to us to have our voices. I know the temptation, there's a temptation for all of us just to add our voices to the dissonance of the world around us, the me-centered world, the world that's crying out for more, crying out uh, how unfair the world is, all of those things. But God says, I want you, us, I want you to live differently. I want you to be a voice that brings hope, a voice that brings life through Jesus Christ. So, so here's what happens. It, it, it actually records uh, as the people come together, verse six, they were, you know, how did the people respond? They were be bewildered. Verse seven says they were amazed and they were astonished. Um, verse 12 says they were amazed and perplexed, and they asked that really good Lutheran question, what does this mean? Um, and so basically, Peter describes what's going on with all of these things happening, but what Peter is doing is he's, he's, he's kind of preparing the soil. He's preparing them for, uh, to lower the boom, if you will. 
He's preparing them to hear a very, very harsh reality. But there's such beauty in this harsh reality. I want you to think of this next part, and here's where we're going to get into the personal part. So we have the church thing. We need to be raising our voices, lifting the cross high, uh, above the discord in the world around us, attracting people to the church, to Jesus Christ. But now Peter gets into the personal. And when you hear Peter's sermon, I want you to be thinking of it in this sense. I, I think in Nebraska we can do this pretty well. Think of this, uh, this next part of the sermon as a farmer's implements piercing the soil and turning it upside down. The blades just going through. I mean, the blades are disrupting everything in the field, but that disruption of the entire field is necessary so that it prepares the soil to receive the seeds, the seeds that bring life. Well, you and I know very well that sometimes the Holy Spirit has to get into that rock-hard, solid soil of our hearts, turn it upside down, turn it uh, just totally disrupt our hearts in order to prepare them to receive the seed of the gospel that brings life. And so again, Peter is getting ready to get really honest. And that's one of the things we find all throughout God's word is that God is honest. He is faithful and he is honest. He's honest about your sinful condition. He's honest about the impact of sin in your life and mine. And so Peter says it twice here to this crowd. I'll just, these two verses, verse 23, he says this. This Jesus, after he'd introduced the, the name of Jesus of Nazareth, he says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Peter repeats it. If you jump down to verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. God is telling us the truth about sin, uh, which tells us something. It says when God uh, comes in again through the apostle Peter in the instance of Pentecost or in your and I's life, as we hear the word of God, God is faithful and he is honest about sin, which means God meets us right where we're at. And I believe that destroys a myth. There's a myth that sometimes you and I believe. Sometimes we hear it, sometimes we just think it. And that myth is this, that I got to get my act cleaned up first then God will meet me. The truth is the opposite. God meets you in the midst of your sin. God meets you in the midst of that filth, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of all of those things that go on in our lives. And God meets us right there in order to bring us that life-saving message of hope through Jesus Christ. Now again, uh, Peter is preaching to this crowd. He tells them, your sins... And it's not just to a crowd 2,000 years ago. It's to a crowd right now, here. Your sins were the very things that, that took Jesus to the cross. Your sins and mine were the nails that held him there. And, and I tell you what, if that's all the people had heard that day, if I just said amen right now and left and said, that's it, we're done. If that's all you hear, that your sins cause the author of life to be crucified, then we are left in just the heaviness of the law. We are left with just that burden of punishment because I'll tell you what, our sins deserve nothing else other than punishment. There's nothing you can do to avoid it. There's nothing you can buy. There's no human remedy to it. 
But God didn't stop there. You see, there's, there's, God's not only brutally honest, there is beauty in his brutal honesty. Our loving God is truly honest about our sins because he's also faithful to bring the remedy. And that's what happens here. So as the people are listening, they're listening to Peter's sermon and the, the law, that turning over, those farmer's implements, the blades had turned the soil over. And here's how they respond in verse 37. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, which means they were remorseful. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You see, they asked the question, Peter, the law's done its work. We're, we're sitting over here and we, we're not sure what to do. Right now we're feeling pretty hopeless. We're feeling pretty helpless. We, we don't know the remedy. How do we get through this? How do we understand uh, what to do in this idea that, that, that God's law has convicted us? And so Peter says this in verse 38, and these are beautiful, beautiful words. We're going to have opportunity in just a little bit to, to, to do confession and absolution. And I want you to be thinking about this verse when we get ready for that in a few moments. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine being in that crowd that day? Well, if you can't, just imagine sitting where you're sitting right now. Because it's not just a sermon for 2,000 years ago, it's a sermon for today. It, it's, it's God saying, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. And here's what I mean by that. When I say that God meets you right where you're at, it means there is no sin so great that God cannot forget it, forgive it. And so what I mean by that is, is if you have ever, or maybe even now, struggled with that, if you've had wonder, if you've had doubt in your minds, and you're wondering to yourself, could God ever love someone like me? Could God ever forgive somebody who has done the things that I have done, or the things that I have left undone? If you have ever struggled with wondering if God could love you for who you are, because trust me, in church, it happens a lot. We wear a smile, and we sit there, and everything is great. And inside, we're broken. If these people around me knew what I actually did, if these people around me actually knew what I've done, what I've said, the people I've hurt, they would turn their backs on me in a second. And so God must feel the same way. If you've ever struggled with that, you need to hear the beautiful message of Pentecost that you are forgiven. Think about that. You are holy and dearly loved daughters and sons of the King. That this message of hope, look at this, and Peter says this, this is so amazing. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. 
In other words, he takes, God takes broken sinners and makes them new. He takes the rock-solid dirt of our hearts, those rock-solid hearts, and he creates a new heart in us. He takes that which is broken and makes it whole, and he gives us life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he says, not only is that message for you, it's also for your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your family. In other words, we we say a lot at Messiah that, that, that parents, families, you are the primary sharers and shapers of faith in your children and in your grandchildren. In other words, it's about a legacy of faith for generations to come. And so this is what Peter is saying. This is not just for you. Don't just take this message and hold it in here. Share it. Share it with those people who are also hurting. Share it with those people who are also broken, who need to know that message of hope. And, and so again, as we get ready to close this time up with this message, Peter goes on and, and he continues preaching the sermon to him. But the beautiful, beautiful outcome. Acts, if you read through the book of Acts, it's full of these instances where God shows us the, the outcome of his grace. Verse 41 says, So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What an amazing miracle story. What an amazing, beautiful story. But what an amazing truth that applies to you today. So when you think about this, this Pentecost story, it's about the church, right? It's about the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. It's about God using people just as you and me and and saying, I want you to live out loud. I want you to hold that banner high. I want you to hoist the cross up. I want you to to make a beautiful noise, a a harmony, a symphony of praise, of worship, of, of testimony to the amazing acts of God's grace. I want the people of the world to hear that over the dissonance, over the discord that's going on. And we know what that dissonance looks like. We know the divide that we see in our world today. It is a world that desperately needs to hear that message of Jesus Christ. Amen? Is that what? Yes, that's what God is calling us to do. But he's not just sending us out there with nothing. He's saying, I'm sending you out there filled with grace. I'm sending you out there as forgiven children of God. I'm sending you out there as renewed daughters and sons of the King. I'm sending you out there with a mission and a message that will bring hope and healing to a world. And I pray that, that not only do we sit there and say, yeah, pastor, that, that sounds pretty good, but that we say, Lord, use me. Use us to bring out and to grow your kingdom in this world. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank and praise you for this time together in the beautiful outdoors. What a beautiful day this is. Uh, Lord, recognizing as we hear birds sing, as we even hear traffic, Lord, we know that everything around us is a blessing um, and that we should be eternally grateful, but not just for the things in this world, but for the things that last beyond this world. Your amazing grace, your acts of of grace in this world that, that really not only promise us eternity, but allow us to share that message so that others might join us for eternity in your presence. And so this Pentecost story reminds us of the mission you've given us. It also reminds us that we are dearly loved and forgiven. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use us powerfully. I pray that you would use this church family here to make a difference in this part of Lincoln, 
that there are hurting people all around who are lost and alone, who need you, Jesus. And so I pray that all of us, doing our part, will grow your kingdom in thousands. Lord, will be added to your numbers, not by our power, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. May that be true in us and through us. And all of God's people said, amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.